Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would be among us now, God, that you would bring your Holy Spirit so that we could receive your word, that you would speak through me, and Lord, speak through all of us together so that we may understand what you want of our lives, so that we may understand your will, and so that we may speak it to those around us that we will come into contact with this week. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor of this word, your word that we're about to study. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am so glad to be back in Kansas. Like, I spent the week in Washington, D.C., and it, it's a fine place, but it's, it's different than Kansas. Uh, in, in the big cities, wherever you're at, you come across things like uh, subways. And, I mean, they're nice, but we don't have those around here. And you come across things like uh, 12-lane highways, and, and that's just a lot of pavement and a lot of speeding cars. We don't have those around here across things like elevators like elevators are funny places aren't they I mean, we, we have an elevator here and but not this kind of an elevator the kind of an elevator that you use as a vehicle to get down to the bottom and up to the top when people need to go from floor one to floor six elevators in which have a capacity of you know lots of people have you ever been on an elevator in which there was uh, numerous amounts of people uh, like I said, funny places. Uh, when you walk in an elevator, there's uh, no talking, usually. And uh, everyone's eyes in the elevator are focused on one thing, the numbers that of the floor where you're going up and down. You're not looking at somebody else, because that would be awkward. Uh, but yet, there are people all together in a number. And have you ever uh, noticed, you know, two people might be walking on the elevator and they might be sharing communion or not communion, community, talking with each other. And they step on and they are silent. Like what they have to say no longer pertains to the other one. Strange things go on in elevators. One of the uh, preachers that I was listening to this past week uh, spoke of an elevator that he got on one time and the people on it. The elevator came to the floor where he was waiting and him and his friend uh, noticed that when the doors opened up, it was packed. There was no room. The people on the elevator were giving him and his friend the look of, you're really not going to get on here with us, are you? But they stepped on. And his buddy didn't have enough room to turn around and look at the numbers of the floors, so he let the doors close behind him and faced everybody. Awkward silence. And he says, how's everybody doing today? And at that, at that announcement, that uh, a step into community, into talking, others started to giggle, started to talk about things. Um, and pretty soon, everybody was talking, and people were riding an extra floor down because they weren't finishing their conversation just like that. You know, in many respects, that elevator is a small version of our world today. A large, impersonal institution where anonymity, an anonymity, anonymity, <laughs> 
Okay, so where, you know, we're all uh, uh, don't want to be known, that word. Isolation, independence, and the uniform that our culture puts on is this be inside of myself, not sharing with others. It shows us that people can be surrounded by other people in a crowd setting and not experience community. We can be part of a company where you work. We can be part of a club. Uh, we can be part of a church even and not feel like we belong or like we are accepted. We can share an office. We can be in the same class in high school or college. We can even live with others and still not have significant relationships with the other people with us there. So this year, we are talking about building. Building. And we're going to break down barriers this year that have prevented us from sharing community with people around us. We are going to build community and build community connections with those of us or with those around us. We're going to push ourselves in having this community with number one, our church body, our church family. Number two, with those outside of our church body. Now the Apostle Paul, he was born in Tarsus, educated in Jerusalem, lived in Damascus, spent formative time in the desert, and moved to Antioch. And that was only the beginning for Paul. Professionally, he ventured out from Antioch on three extensive missionary campaigns, campaigns uh, traveling from uh, cities to cities where there were lots of people. Yet wherever he went, he established a band of people who huddled together in supportive an encouraging community. Supportive and encouraging community. Now, how was he able to create significant relationships when he was traveling on these journeys? First Thessalonians, uh, one of Paul's most personal letters, identifies some of the key components for establishing and maintaining community. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we are not pretending to be your friends just to get money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives, too. First point today that I want to suggest to us in building community is that we must concede our need for others. We must 
admit our need for others. Just as a child needs a mother, we need each other. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he identified this need to belong. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. This need for others, the body of us put together to work together, this need is rooted deep within our souls. This is the way God planned it, that we would be a family, a body of Christ, the church, the community, so that we could help each other to know God and to do his will. We were made to be community. This is why God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it's not good for the man to be alone. So he made a helper. This need for others is God-given and is deeply rooted in our lives. Abraham Maslow Maybe you've heard that name before, and I might be mispronouncing it. It's been a long time since I studied him in college. He was an American psychologist. He was a non-believer who reinforced God's original design and plan through his well-known theory of the hierarchy of needs. Though it wasn't his intention, he reinforced God's original design. Now, Maslow believed that one could learn as much by studying healthy, well-adjusted people as one could by studying those with problems. His conclusion was that each of us has various levels of need, and we satisfy one level and then move up to the next. Maslow's, Maslow's research revealed that before we can be a person of value, and become all that we were intended to be, and I would add, intended by God to be, we must first have our social needs met. We must be part of a group, working with others, caring for them, and sharing relationships. We must concede, and conceding our need for others is easiestly done when you're broke down, on the side of the road in your car. What I mean by that is, uh, have you ever been broke down? I'll just tell you an example. Uh, I took my family, and it's getting kind of warm in here. Can you make sure that the, I'm, I'm kind of sweating. But, so, uh, I took my family, my wife and I did, to uh, Yellowstone National Park um, when my kids were younger. There was five kids, and Flint was on his way. And uh, we went to Yellowstone and to see the reservation that my wife was born on. And we were driving a station wagon, 1993 Oldsmobile. And uh, way out in the middle of Wyoming, 
no one around, 100 miles from any place, and it broke down. No problem. I know how to fix things. I take my tools. I'm always ready, independent, don't need any help, right? Except for I didn't have a fuel pump. Didn't have a fuel pump. And, you know, I could have I pulled the gas tank uh, from out from under the car and ratchet strapped it on top of the car and siphoned the gas so it gravity feed down there, except for fuel injection needs a certain amount of pressure. So I would had to run another hose to the gas tank down through the window so that I could blow on it to provide the pressure to work so that I could get the car back to town and buy the proper part. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't have that much wind. I couldn't, couldn't create the pressure. So uh, thankfully, someone came by. Just happened to be the, uh, the fellow that worked at the local Christian radio, was a radio guy. And he pulled over. He said, do you guys need help? That would be great. I, I, have, I have no community here, but and and at first I was like, "How is this going to work?" I have five kids, a pregnant wife, and uh, his car won't hold that many people. We can't all go together. I don't want to leave my family here. And 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 then he identifies himself. He said, he said, uh, "Well, I, listen, I, I just felt God uh, pull me over the side of the road here so that I could help you guys. I, I work at the Christian." Radio. I was like, "Oh, there are Christians." Uh, in more places than just Kansas, obviously. And I was so excited to hear that. And he helped us out. We got back to town, and I replaced the fuel pump and went on about our way. But you know, isn't that the case? We don't recognize our need for peoples. We don't admit our need and concede our need for others, for community, until we are in the situation of being broke down. Uh, Maybe... It's broken relationship. Uh, your marriage is so completely broken that it seems like there's no hope. Maybe it's when you're so financially broke that you can't afford the bills. And you needed help before you got to that point. You see the pattern? Broke, broke, broke. Let's get help from others, from our community, before things are broke. Let's build our relationship with others so that we aren't broke down all the time. And when you do break down, you have people who already know you, who are already prepared to get you back on the road. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We are all part. We all have a role to play. And there's a lot of role out there for us to play in the community to bring them together as part of the body of Christ. Number two, cultivate deep relationships from first Thessalonians 2 8 now do not take relationships lightly to survive in a cold cruel world uh, requires deep relationships but those relationships uh, they don't just happen they require work they require effort 
for us to establish. We have to do more than just to reach out to others. We have to share our lives with others. This truth was one of the secrets of Paul's establishment of supportive relationship. When the Apostle Paul was traveling to do missionary work and he was writing to people, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 tells us, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives. Here was a man, Paul, that every time he wrote to a church, he would always call by name two, three, or four people that were very close to him. He had developed significant relationships with these people. Now found in these verses that Paul wrote are three words that form the basis for developing relationships which pass the test of time. First word is care. The verse says the mother uh, feeding and caring for her own children. Remember, people don't care uh, how much you know until they know how much you care. The second word is share. The verses say, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives. The word picture of sharing our lives continues the mothering idea. There's no greater picture of caring than the picture we see of a mother caring for her child especially the small ones. The mother takes care of their child. They provide what is needed. And if you see us on, uh, on Friday nights when us men get together, we flex our muscles and show off our uh, abilities and pretend to be real men. And we're the big and strong ones that take care of the ladies, right? But at one point in time, we were little bitty babies. And we had mothers... Uh, taking care of us and and though a mother is not built to uh to physically be strong and defend their baby when that baby or child is in danger that mother steps up and is physically strong and physically aggressive and will do whatever it takes to protect their child what a picture of caring that we have and of sharing For us to share with others in deep relationship, we must get up close and personal to one another. One cannot share at a distance. The mother does not take care of her children at a distance. She is close to them. We can't take care of our community unless we are in it, unless we are establishing relationships with those people. The third word, uh, so we have care, share, and then loved. Verse 8, Paul loved these people. And when we love others, we do not treat them as a means to an end, but rather as individuals of value. To communicate our love with others, we must dare to talk about our affections 
We must learn gestures of love. A handshake, a hug, roughhousing. That's how we share it at Men on Fire. As well as uh, many acts of kindness. May we never forget that love is something you do. Not just something that you say. The number three for today is to commit to authenticity. We must be authentic. It's not enough to just admit we need each other or to say, oh, you know, a few friends would be nice. It'd be okay to have a friend or two. We must commit ourselves to getting beneath the surface and becoming interesting or interested in the others around us and accountable to the others around us. Authenticity occurs when conversations get deep, when hearts get vulnerable, when lives are shared and accountability is invited. Believers in the body of Christ become brothers and sisters. Now, assimilation is becoming absorbed in the lives of others as an active participant uh, relating to, sharing with, and caring for others. The Apostle Paul describes assimilation in some words. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 8. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives. Read that verse three times now. Paul did not erect barriers. He was emotionally, he was not emotionally reserved or indifferent. He opened his lives to his life to others. How often do you open your life to a new person? We tend to kind of want to stay to ourselves and open our lives to those closest to us. But to those not close to us, we let stay at a distance. Listen, when we make room in our lives for others, the walls of indifference and apathy come down. When we make room for others, we discover the best in them. We often discover the best in ourselves as well. Be authentic. Share your life. God gave it to you, and he didn't give it to you to hide it under a bushel. Your life is an opportunity. It is an example to share God's good news. We mustn't hide it. As you build community connections, you're going to experience something really neat. You're going to realize that you have something in common with others on that elevator. I went to D.C. this past week, as I already said, and there was a million people there. Don't listen to the news. It says there was tens of thousands. There was a, a million and a half people there probably. So many people. So scary to... Kansas, Kansas boy, right? So scary to walk up on more people there than live in the state. I don't know if that's true. I don't know how many people live in Kansas, but it seemed like more people than I'd ever seen at one time ever and 
but yet there was uh, camaraderie. Uh, folks were like, you too. We're all here for one purpose. We're all here together. And, uh, and there was a, a, a kinship. It was a beautiful picture of people of all different kinds. Uh, I never seen so many different kinds of people in my life. It was just amazing. And driving home, driving home, we could, we could be like uh, uh, 600 miles away from home. And, and every time we stopped, uh, they would, people would be at the, the filling station and be like, yeah, when they would see my dad's American flag hat. Yeah. Just the, the sharing of community there. We have something in common. Man, how many times do we share things in common with folks in our community together that we don't uh, let them know about? We need to push ourselves. Hey, look, I'm married too, and I struggle with uh, keeping my wife happy. Uh, look, I, I struggle with uh, paying the bills. I also um, can't keep my car running on the way to Yellowstone. We have things in common with folks. We need to admit our need for each other and cultivate these relationships and strive for authenticity. We are not being ourselves. We are not being who God made us to be. Then God's will is not going to be done perfectly through us. Do his will. Be authentic to the way he made you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 tells us, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Verse 5 says, Never once did we try to win your flattery, as you well know, and God is our witness that we are not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. I can, I can pretend to be a friend. Uh, maybe I don't know the person and I like, there's nothing wrong with being nice. Uh, but how often do we uh, pretend to be a friend? Uh, and then sometimes we get caught up in the, maybe it's the business world or we're competing for something and we pretend to be friends uh, just to get something that we need. This is not good. This verse tells us we don't want to win with flattery. We don't want to pretend. And in the verse 4, for we speak as messengers approved by God and entrusted with His good news. His good news is why we are living today. His good news is why we must have community. The good news is that Jesus loved us, that he cared for us, that he was authentic with us, and that we were important to him, that he gave himself as a sacrifice so that we could be with him in community. And God and the Holy Spirit and so that we could not only be with him here, but so we could be with him in heaven in the perfect community someday. I encourage you to accept this good news. 
this forgiveness that Jesus provides and to go the step farther and to make a community connection this week and share that good news of mercy, grace, forgiveness with someone outside of our church body. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word that Paul recorded for us for the life that he lived out. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. Lord, his example of community that he loved us so much that uh, he considered us as worthy, worth dying for. Not because of what we've done or how we act or what we be or pretend to be, but because he loves us. God created us to do His will, Lord. We ask that you embolden us to share it with other people. In Jesus' name, amen.